0: I don't know what was going on with that microphone. Must have been too much anointment. Maybe it was those boots. I don't know what it was. (laughs) Remind me of the ghost of Mr. Chicken. Electrician must be a Democrat. Remember that, Mark? You never you didn't watch that movie? Well, it's a good thing we have screens on in here. Oh, we're online. Hallelujah. I'm just joking. And we're welcoming all of you into uh, the Father's Church here in Dallas. Greetings to all of our Saints Network family. And uh, tonight we're going to be sharing um, something that the Lord has been speaking to me about all day. And it's going to be from a passage of scripture that we concluded uh, January 22nd Wednesday night with, out of um, Wednesday Night Live, out of Isaiah 45. So, if you have your Bible, wherever you're listening, you can turn there. But for those of us in the uh, in the room, look at that. We well, have scriptures up there on the screen. You don't even have to squint your eyes. It's just right in front of you on both sides. And for those of you who are hard of seeing, Fran's going to yell out the verses to you. And it'll be like uh, the old Saturday Night Live when Garrett Cutley was... Interpreting for the hard of hearing. Remember that? <laughs> Good evening, folks. Good evening, folks! <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, we are girding, girding, we're girding ourselves up for the uh, seminar that's coming up in a little over a month now. And uh, it's called uh, Wisdom. And it's the first time we've ever had a seminar titled with that in in the title which after so many of them it just kind of surprised me when God said to call it that that is as I peruse the list that I always ask Ruby to send to me I don't know why I just don't keep it but there it is and I noticed we'd never called anything wisdom and so um I've been writing on uh, the spirit of wisdom and and Speaking some things about how to partner with the spirit of wisdom and how to uh, confront the darkness when you're going forth with wisdom and um, I went for an appointment this morning, and I was sitting waiting to go into the appointment and I just pulled out my phone and my Bible program, and I just started reading scriptures and um I came upon this first, and i I thought yeah lord we we taught on this the other day, and as I was going down through it, the spirit just got a hold of what we're going to talk about tonight, and he began to um he began to uh really speak to me about what the heart of this passage is, particularly about darkness and so um we're going to read the scripture. And God says in Isaiah 45 5 I am the Lord and there is none else there is no God beside me I girded thee though thou hast not known me we have a next verse <laughs> that they may know from the rising of the Sun and from the West that there is none beside me I am the Lord and there is none else I form the light and create darkness. And this is what the Lord was really impressing on me. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Um, Do you want to go to the next slide, Scott? Um, The word that is translated as form, which is the light, means to the hebrew yasar which is to squeeze into shape to mold into a form and the word that is used to create is bara and that is only used of god in the old testament and it some of the famous verses in the beginning in the beginning god created that's the word when david spoke to god created me a clean heart an, O oh god renew a right spirit within me that's the word and so God is the only one who can create and I I was reading this and I know we've taught on this before it's right here on the sheet but it just became very a very real time where the father was speaking to me about what darkness really is and why he created darkness because God did create darkness And God dwells in darkness, it says. And so what does that mean? Well, it it just means this. Um, Darkness is not in itself evil. Darkness is um, intricately made by God, and it is an invitation for us to partner with him In developing darkness into something that's beautiful because if God creates anything it is very intricately made and so darkness itself when God creates it in its various forms has um, many levels to it and um, it is God's intent like when God cloaks himself in darkness it's god's intent it's it's like an invitation from him to come and know him to come and explore the intricacies of who he is and to you know darkness in itself is not appealing but but if you know god is there in that perspective you know that he's wanting to lead you through a pathway of development and relationship and um it's 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 more of of an invitation than um a, and an intricate intricately made mystery that he wants to reveal and then when you know we uh we talk about god creating that it's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing i suspect that the deposits of the glory that satan showed to Um, Jesus in the wilderness when he said he took him to a high mountain exceedingly high and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and he said all of these will I give you it's in my power to give them if you will proscuneo before me and Jesus said I won't do that it is written that you will only do that before the most high God and um, but the enemy very clearly said that he had control over these things now here's what I think I think that um, when the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and darkness covered the face of the deep we know that when God first created the earth he created it as a place where you and I and mankind could partner with God it was to be God's footstool it was supposed to be something that would manifest that partnership between us and him which is what he's doing right now in you and the enemy didn't like that at all the light of that world was to have been that magnificent of god's light and that's why at the end of the book of revelation there's not going to be an, you know anything the only light therein is going to be God. And that's a wonderful thing. And, and I think the enemy, the iniquity that was found in the enemy when he realized that now he was not going to be the one, the hellel, Lucifer, that was going to be given the opportunity to partner, not partner, but to take a responsibility for the ways of God to bring about the light. And when he realized that now we were going to partner with God in the light iniquity was found in him. What he was was began twisted and he incorporated all of the, the, the principalities that he could recruit and those legions that would serve in those various regards and they rebelled which is why Genesis 1-1 says that, you know, or Genesis 1-2 says it was without form and void because that is warfare terminology. It's what was used in the Old Testament to describe when a city or a nation was absolutely obliterated. And that's the word that was used. So it wasn't that the earth was without form and void, because you know God was just getting started and then the enemy messed it up, so he didn't get to fix it. That's not what that term means. It means warfare. And and, and it says then that darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God brooded upon the face of the waters. And we've talked about how that brooding is a term that is used for birds. You know, the brood patch and the eagle, where it would monitor the temperature of the egg in the nest, and it would know when the egg needed to be turned, and it would also be able to determine the movement within the egg and when that egg was going to begin to hatch. That's what God did upon the darkness. And what I'm wondering is, if the deposits of the glory, which we know again from the Old Testament that the glory is really two manifested in two ways, it's when God wants to do a new thing, and and He finds a partner, and then and the glory is on that, and then the glory is on the person that is that is manifesting that partnership, and the we don't need to go into the descriptions of the glory we've taught on that before, but I'm wondering if. Um, those deposits of the glory were in themselves not darkness and because darkness waits for the development of what God created it to be and just as the darkness that surrounds God is an invitation for us to come and know him and to learn of him and be developed into what he wants. It's all about mystery which is why When we pray in unknown tongues, the Bible says that we don't speak to men, we speak to God. The Bible says that our spirit prays. Not the Holy Spirit, but our spirit that God put in us that was born again when we accepted Christ. And the Bible says that we speak mysteries. And we know that the Mysterion is the progressive um, revelation of a larger theme that God has in mind. So God is all about mystery. He's all about the journey. The the result is never in question with God. If God was just about results, he could think it in a nanosecond and there it would be. God is about the valley. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is about developing you god is about spending time with you and i think that if we can get that into our thinking we will recognize the theme of why god created created the darkness and um, you know then it's it says there i form the light this is to squeeze into shape to mold into a form now what is the light we know what the light is the light is the fulfillment of the ways of God. The light, you know, we've studied about this with the seven spirits. When those seven colors on that spectrum come together, it forms white light. And um, so the light is the ways of God. The lamps are the, the eyes, and the eyes are the seven spirits of God. And um, so how in the world does God squeeze into shape mold into a form his ways well you have to combine it with i form the light i create the darkness god creates what he wants to partner with you to develop and then god forms his ways who he is into a specific investment into you so that by the time you walk with him through that You have embraced His seven spirits. You have embraced His light. You have known Him. And you've learned of Him. And then when the light shines into darkness, you are partnering with God. He forms Himself. He shapes Himself. He shapes His ways into partnership with you so that you will know Him. You will learn of Him. You will be trained by Him. You will be developed by Him so that when you are sent forth into a mystery, when you are sent forth to represent wisdom and to take the light into a place that God has earmarked, that forming of the light has impressed upon you and you are like Him. You know? You think about all the passages that talk about arise, shine, your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you and darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people but my light will shine on you and the Gentiles will come to the rising of the light and kings will come because everywhere you look at these passages like that you recognize that when God sends his light into the darkness it's for the purpose of him manifesting his glory even in John 1 when the Bible when John instead of telling the 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 narrative about the birth of Christ, which would have been a wonderful thing from John's perspective. Instead, he speaks about the light coming, and he says the light shone into the darkness, and the darkness was not able to, katalambano, was not able to reach out and take it or or to overturn it. It's very interesting. It's very interesting, but how does that work? Jesus came to do the will of the Father. Jesus came with a perfect uh, assignment of the ways of God. That was formed in him. He was representing that specific thing that had never been done before. God so loved, he gave his only son. God made himself into that form so that the light could come into the darkness and create what we are And, and as we accept Jesus. Now, it's interesting, too, in Genesis 1, that, and you think about this, and I believe that Genesis is, is literal. I don't think it's allegorical. I, don't think, I think sometimes we have, in the past, and not, not we, but theologians in the past have tried to candy it down. I, I do think there were, there, you know there was a great span between Genesis 1 and 2, and you know you've got Bill Nye the science guy and other people who say well you know how can people think that the earth with mankind is only this amount of years and we have carbon dating for this long. You know we don't know how long the earth was under that darkness. We don't know that. We don't know what happened beforehand but what we do know is that had God not created the sun? Well obviously not. I mean So I really do think that the earth was originally made for God to be the light of it. And he intended for us to partner with his ways so that the darkness could be changed into facets of his brilliance. And that's still what he wants to do. And I believe that those deposits of the glory that Jesus, I believe, then referred to where he said to Peter, you know, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus said flesh and blood did not reveal that but my father did and upon this rock I'm going to establish my ecclesia what rock that rock that said you need to know the father you need to gain revelation from him and what he told you about sonship and being sons who move in the anointing is how I'm going to build the church and then what did he say the gates the hidden gates dare I say of darkness will not prevail against those that are receiving insight from the Father who are imparted to move as anointed sons and who are sent forth for this purpose. Everywhere in the world, this really confirms itself. And so you see that God creates darkness and then he he has squeezed and formed basically himself to to uh, to train us and so that we can partner with him in a unique way isn't that strange that god would do that isn't that strange that he would love you so much that he would form himself in such a way that he could present himself to you so that you could be that intercessor who partners with him to develop the darkness into something that is brilliant and light. Now it's interesting that the next part of this verse says that God um, makes peace and he creates evil. So the two things he creates are darkness and evil. Evil is raw, but he makes peace in regard to that. What's that mean? Well, if you first have been formed by the light of God's heart and you are Sent into a darkness that he created. What you're going to face there is the opportunity to go out and to come back in victory, in peace. That may be an assignment, it may be warfare. Evil is our old friend Ra. Now, Ra is opposite of Tobe, and in this regard, God creates Ra. Why would he create darkness and why would he create Ra? Well, he created darkness so that we could partner with him, with him as the light in transforming it. He creates the Ra so that we could take the tobe and make Ra what it should be. Because Ra is a twisted purpose. and And so... We, we have the opportunity to partner with God and then in the midst of that to begin to implement His purpose. And if something in that darkness is twisted or out of place, well, we, we speak into that and we, we allow that to be changed and shifted. And so I just think it's very interesting that um, the many other verses, like the ones we taught about two weeks ago, well, we talked about the power that was in darkness and how you need to really, if you're going, you need to recognize that you're going to confront this. And why is that? You know, we talked about that. You know, how different measures like praise waits in Zion. What does it mean when you are <coughs> launching praise into an area that is dead and that, is, and that it just feels like there's no response? What does it feel like when you go against hoshek that has despair and gloom and challenges that's just a demonstration of the raw and god 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 is good about that you know he creates things so that we can do them with him and through that process we have partnership we have commune and we're learning you know why do teachers give homework assignments to kids if, do you think they just if they just sat there and listened, or just by osmosis they would learn? That doesn't work. It just well some of you it does, but you know you've you've got to face things. You know there's some some of the things that you do with mental things, mental linguistics and and gymnastics is you scramble things up and you say okay now put these in their right place and um you know i i love to with fabian's daughters to to sometimes we go to restaurants and they have those they have those jumbled words and you have to find different words and you know some of them are backwards and some of them are you know they just zig and you just look at it and it looks like a mess but they have to process out of the midst of that mess and find what's really right i think those kinds of things teach them more than just memorizing words I think so and in some of the ways I learn things is by processing what doesn't make sense to me and then rationalizing what does make sense and when I do those gymnastics in my mind I remember something and I don't ever forget it it's the nuts and bolts of things that's the way God moves it's not just him up there with uh, David's latest album playing and you know telling you how much he loves you he's gonna give you tests He's going to give you challenges because if he didn't, you would not grow. You would not develop. And God wants partnership. He wants you to be um, trained to move with what he formed his light into, to, to go into the darkness and make it what it should be. So now we do know that the enemy loves to hang out around the darkness I think one of the reasons is because he's he feels that in in dominating that he's thumbing his nose at God because I believe this principle that I've just been saying is really true so if the enemy thinks that he mucked it up which he does he if he was so ticked off about God's idea for you that he rebelled and took a swath of angels and then God had to throw him down and the earth was paralyzed for i don't know how many millennia i mean if if that's what the enemy thinks then he takes great delight in in lurking around places that god created to partner with you You know we see that in our lives you say, well, I don't understand that well we see it in our own lives did you ever when you when you were in high school or some other time were you ever uh with somebody that Maybe there was a kid in the class, and they knew that you really wanted this thing, and you didn't get it, but they got it, and they just paraded around, you know just to to mess with you. We all know that well, the enemy in big time does that with these places of darkness in some ways he hides there uh in some ways he his his people are um sourcing it like um when uh, <clears throat> philip went down and and there was simon the sorcerer literally someone who could source something and he was tapping in the bible says this the book of acts says this he was tapping into his stemmes and he was working miracles he wasn't a charlatan he was working miracles and the people said this is the great power of god well, Philip comes down under the direction of the Holy Spirit begins to preach the cross. The Hestemis are changed, and now Philip is not just doing the miracles Simon was, but he's doing greater miracles, and Simon's out of business. There are places around the world where the enemy, you know, you got Ezekiel 28 where you've got the king of Tyre and the prince of Tyre. The king of Tyre is obviously Satan because if you look at the description, it describes Satan But then the prince of Tyre, he thinks, he says that he is wiser than Daniel and that he knows how to do things with that wisdom and he can create all kinds of stuff. The enemy still has that pattern. And I believe that those people that are moving in that way are the cosmocrator who are the the rulers of the darkness of this world. They, they somehow, from when God first created things and he put his stamp of the Kratos, that power on it, then the enemy has mobilized individuals who are rulers in that darkness. And I believe that there are places around the world where individuals have, have um, utilized deposits of the histemes and they've wrongfully done it you know you have shrines where people from come from all over the world and they'll think like Lourdes in France and they say oh there's healing here you know and you think about it I mean even the pool of Bethesda um, where the guy's sitting there on those five porches interestingly did you you guys did know that they archaeologists have discovered this and you can look it up and you can see actual pictures of this they they uncovered it there are five big porches and then there's this water it's interesting that the pool of bethesda this is from i was reading this today i was studying this and then i read the five the sat uh, first saturday report and shay wrote about this and um, she was talking about the pool of bethesda and how bethesda means the house of mercy or the house of kindness and uh, the stairs themselves are a perfect form of the histeme and, but obviously there was there was an activity that went on there and a, they, they felt that an angel came and stirred the water and the first one in the pool got healed. This guy's telling this and there are people all over those porches and he's telling it to Jesus and Jesus didn't, he didn't correct the guy. He didn't say anything about that not happening. I think there are open places around the world. Some of them were warred over and they're kind of obliterated. Others are um, kind of half, open i can't explain why that would be and the enemy utilizes that but most of them are hidden these are darkness places that god has hidden or that have been hidden um, through misuse or through enemy chicanery Uh, but we are called to be the light into that darkness what good is light if there's no darkness to shine into you know Nobody marvels at the light at noon, you know? The light really comes into its its, uh, heyday when it gets dark. So God's calling us to be light, and you are the light of the world. And, um, you know, you are a, a city sit on a hill. And, you know, all these passages about the light, light is destined to go and represent God and to change things into what God would have them to be. And so God forms the light, forms himself. He creates darkness. He also creates, in the midst of that, places that are not fulfilling the tobe of God. And he, um, he, he makes a way for us to know the shalom, to go to transact what he calls us to do, and to come back to him, or to war and to come back to him. That passage is so alive in in so many ways. So with that in mind, with, with that in mind, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago about the power of darkness and how darkness, when you're going there, can have an effect if you're not watching, if you're not careful. the The efficacy of it the twisting of it can kind of catch you off guard if you're not really sure what's going on. View it from these two perspectives. First of all, that darkness has been created by God to manifest His glory. And you, in partnership with God, are going to be sent as light to see that come about. Also know that with that in mind, that God is going to make an opportunity for you to confront that and he is uh, going to allow you to succeed. But your purpose is to view where Ra is so that Tob can come. So there's going to be voices of Ra coming. Some of the things that we said, be watchful over this because... You know, if you just go out and you think you're going to blow the shofar a few times and cast a few declarations and suddenly everything's going to be great and there's not going to be, first of all, any opposition and there's not going to be any negativity that you feel coming out of the darkness, you better wise up. So what do you do when those things come? Well, if God has created the darkness and there are opportunities to turn the raw into tobe, what you need to be doing as a pneumonicos individual is discerning what kind of influences you're feeling. And you need to be meticulous with that. And you need to say, what is the opposite of this? What is this showing in a raw way, raw way, <laughs> that Yahweh <laughs> wants to fulfill his plan? It's, it's Yahweh or the raw way or the highway. I pause for a drink. but you need to be watching instead of saying, oh, you know, pray for me. It's so horrible. You just don't know. Well, I don't want to know. You're sensing this. Your spirit is picking up in this. You've been formed with the light to recognize an assignment from God, and when you start pinging these influences that are coming, you've got to discern, first of all, one of three things is the enemy attacking and you got to be really smart not everything's the devil i mean so i've seen over the years people binding and rebuking and casting out stuff that the enemy is so far away from that you're wasting your rebuker i mean it's just not working so you've got to know if the enemy's there and it's going to be pretty clear opposition does not in this regard does not necessarily mean that the enemy's there it could be a raw influence in that darkness that God wants you to begin to identify and begin declaring praise waits, begin to praise, begin to tehillah, what God has told you in the yada, what God has communed with you, and you begin to send that forth. You're feeling it, turn it, send it back. Send it back in a positive way and know that you've been sent by God know that you've been trained by god and know that he created that darkness and it's your job with him to whip that thing into shape does that make sense and the third thing is don't get in a hurry because god ain't in any hurry at all he's the one that loves to wait he's the one that says the first sign of the apostolic is patience You know, we like to think the first sign of the apostolic is being able to speak one word, and boom, it's done. Man, that guy's really an apostle. Well, Paul must have been a horrible apostle because he said that the signs of an apostle will rot among you in all patience. That's the first thing he said. So when it looks like it ain't happening as fast as you think it should, and you're feeling either an opposition from the enemy or a raw influence coming out of that darkness, and you think God's lollygagging around. Where is He? He sent me out here. Now, why well, He's not here? Oh, it's just such misery and it's such despair. God may be waiting. Why? Because remember, waiting is to entwine, like the making of a rope, cords coming together so there's a strength. God may be waiting for you to enjoy Him and to listen to intricacies of what's going on i think that's kind of what happened with elijah when he was on the mountaintop and he the darkness had been split wide open i mean he killed 850 can you Imagine how tired that guy must have been hacking up 850 demonized people said, don't say it that way. i can hear from my house don't say it that way that's gross but that's what happened it's a good thing there was a stream nearby and then God sends the fire, and then he sends the rain. then it, 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 Elijah becomes like Usain Bolt, and he outruns a chariot. you imagine how fast he had to been running in sandals and wet ground? That must that would, have, that would have been something to see. Water and mud flying everywhere, and he's taking off. So then he gets there, and Jezebel is launching evil Ramus. She's speaking stuff. And this darkness is 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 just really manifesting itself. And you know what? There probably was a lot of darkness there. Can you imagine you got this woman who's the queen of, of the people of God, whose name means a virgin dedicated to Baal. She's got all kinds of demonic prophets and prophetesses, and they're they're ruling the land. The people of God are hidden places because they're trying to kill them all. And uh, there probably was a lot of, you know, they turned that rock over and demons were scrambling everywhere. And the, the 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 raw that had been engendered was really strong. And I'm not faulting Elijah here, but what I'm saying is instead of speaking into that, he gave in to it. It's kind of like when Moses was about to fulfill. A major thing that God had given him to do. He's standing on the precipice of going into the promised land after 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. And God says, I want you to speak, prophesy into this rock, and I'm going to tell you from the right hand of the throne what you're to say. Now, how do you you say that? Well, because when Moses, instead of praising into the rock, cursed the people... God says, you're not going into the land because you didn't believe me. And that word, aman, means the right hand. What I told you prophetically to say, you didn't do. So instead of speaking into the darkness in those people, that next generation of ingrates, or whatever it was he called them, um, instead of speaking prophetically into the rock and into them, he was overwhelmed by the darkness that was there i'm not faulting him either but those two guys show up at the top of the mount of transfiguration with jesus and they're telling him things about probably why those two it's not because god was giving them a second chance because they both faced an apex of spiritual victory And they both face darkness and learn something through their failure. And here they were talking to Jesus about it. And they come down from from that mountain and what do they face? They face nine defeated disciples. They face a little boy that's possessed by what another passage says is an unclean spirit sent to block the momentum of what was going on there. They face a crowd of people that are just foaming things up, and here is Jesus. And it's in that place that he says, if you will fast, and if you will prosuke what God is telling you in the midst of that fast, and you will say to this mountain, be removed, it'll go. That unclean spirit was a mountain. It was to block what Jesus was going to do. And we were talking on saints radio the other day about how jesus throws in that caveat and shall not doubt in your heart what does that mean that one's tripped up more people because that you think when you're standing there well i better not have any any errant thought you know i better not have any question that comes to me because if i do then this mountain ain't moving That's not what Jesus was saying. What is the heart? The heart is kind of like the steering wheel of what's going on in you. How you process what your spirit's coming up with, what God's spirit is saying, what your mind is reflecting, what your emotions are reflecting, how you process that all and and commit which way you're going, that's what your heart is. And so if you're committed to God, if you are set apart by God, and you say, I'm giving myself to God, and you've committed to that, you're not going back, you've committed to it, and God's giving you assignment, that's what the Diocrino, doubt, that's what doubt is there, when you know, and that's a good word, that's to parse things out and judge, that's what you're supposed to do with prophetic words, Remember what Paul was talking about. You know, let the prophets speak two or three and let that that uh, interpreter judge. You judge. Diocrino, you hear what they're saying. You figure out what God is saying. So your heart, if you're if you're moving with God, you're fasting, you're knowing him, he's giving you supplication insights, you're on a mission, he has told you that this mountain is blocking and you're processing with what you're called to be, what God... God is wanting to do, at that point, your heart is set. You're not diokrinoing your mission. You may be wondering what's going on, but that's not the doubt Jesus is talking about. Don't misinterpret what that word means. You know, in the book of Revelation, when it talks about the accuser of the brethren, and when he's finally cast down, what does it say finally defeats him? The blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Those two things. Well, that's what we're talking about here. The blood of the Lamb is what forgives you of your sins. The blood of the Lamb is what brings you in right relationship with God. The blood of the Lamb is what is an adoption where you're brought into the family of God. And the blood of the Lamb is what then is a sprinkling to empower what it is that God's wanting to awaken in you. The sprinkling upon your garments. A sprinkling upon the place to prepare for the visitation of the glory. The sprinkling upon those that are representing God. So that blood is there. But then the word of your testimony, the Logos is what that is. It's not Rhema, it's Logos. Which indicates this is what God has established from the foundation of the world. And this is your place in it. This is what you are called to do in conjunction with God's eternal purpose. And your testimony is the martyria where you commit yourself. You die to every other thing. You die to the world. You die to the flesh. You die to other things so that you will fulfill what that eternal calling of God is for your life and what God is wanting to do. That's how you overcome the enemy. You are bought by the blood of Jesus. You are functioning as sons. You are prepared by that powerful blood with the anointing that overwhelms everything. You recognize what your calling is from the foundation of the world and you've been partnering with God as to what he wants to do. You're in that mission and you've died to self to commit to that. So when you're standing in front of darkness, you need to keep all of those things in, in purpose, you, you, in, your, in your mind. And you need to know that's what God's doing. And you don't need to be buffaloed by other things. And when God says, this mountain has to go, the doubt is about whether you have gone through all these processes whether you've committed yourself, whether you've been in communion with God, whether you know this is your fight, whether you know this is what God wants to do and He just told me, I'm not going around this mountain, I'm telling it to go. By that time, the doubt in your heart is really a proactive description that you have done all these things and you're all in. You're committed. There's no going back. You've laid yourself out before God. This is his mission. (laughs) And to me, if you're just standing there hurling verses at a a mountain, you know, what did Zechariah say? Uh, Zechariah, it said that he stood before a mountain, and what did he shout? Grace, grace. He was in partnership with God. He was proclaiming an intimate relationship of partnership with God, and he shouted it twice in the law of double issuance. That meant that it was a personal thing. What would make that mountain move was that partnership with God. So you're going to be a mountain mover. It's not that you're just out passing out tracks, even though that's a noble ministry. You are in partnership with God, and there ain't no doubt so that's what the doubt is and the enemy tries to weasel in i know he's tried to do this with me sometimes i'll be praying about something and i'll i'll really be talking with the lord and you know if i don't process this the enemy will come and he'll miss like half god said you know the enemy loves to say those things it's what he did with jesus it is written do this you know what i don't know i don't know how sold you are in this thing I think you're doubting. And you say, oh, no. Well, I do wonder how he's going to do it. That's not doubt. Oh, I, I just don't know when he's going to do it. That's not doubt. Doubt focuses on the processing that brought you there. And and if you are committed, if you know God's been speaking and you know this is what he wants to do and and, 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 and he's already told you what to do, Well, the doubt in your heart isn't there. You can be there saying what God wants. If Moses had said what God wanted to say, he would have still in his mind thought, I don't know how God's going to do anything with this batch of people. I saw what their parents were, and I see the same thing in them. To have that assessment is not doubt how you react to that assessment is what will bring the victory or defeat so to have thoughts to have a proper assessment is not sin it's if you do what god says to do that's going to be great but if you if you assess and you don't do what god says to do then that's a problem but the assessment itself is not sin i mean stink is stink you know you can you can prophesy petunias but your nose is still saying something stinks in here and that your registered stink doesn't mean that your prophecy about petunias isn't going to work does that make sense see just the facts in here we just lay it to the bone so i think it's interesting though and you wondered whether whether i was gonna i'm like one of those ladybugs in the sanctuary that Megan likes to watch. They go up to the light and they they fly around and then as soon as I lay on uh, on my face they they kind of come down they land beside me. Uh, It's interesting. But I am landing back here on Isaiah 45 and I think it's interesting that after he talks about the hidden riches of the secret places and all these things then he brings this verse up about the um, the forming of the light and the creating of the darkness. And then he says, drop down, you heavens, from above. Let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up. Let them bring forth salvation. Let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. And he says, he gives a a word of rebuke to people who try to do it on themselves. And then he says this, ask me of things to come concerning my sons, and the concern of the work of my hands, and as lieutenants speak on my behalf. It's exactly what he's just been saying. It's exactly what we've just been talking about. That's what God wants to do. We are his sons. We are talking to him. Sha'aling with him. We are intimate with him. And we're talking about what he's wanting to do with his sons. And then he's saying, you go on my behalf and you represent me. You speak as a lieutenant for me. And you utilize my power. That's what that means. And it fits perfectly right there. So this is kind of like a conclusion, or maybe not a conclusion, the second part, picking up of this teaching from two weeks ago. But... God just just downloaded this. And and you know again, I've seen these words. We it, they're they're written right there on the sheet from 2 weeks ago, which I have and you don't. But it's there. But this is what God is doing. And um I believe he's going to do this through eternity. You know, we send out these telescopes and satellites with cameras and we get these long distant pictures of black holes and spans of darkness God's going to be creating he's already created darkness that 5,000 years from now Sandra is going to be speaking light into because that's what God does he's always this mystery God he loves the romance of discovery Um, he 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 created us for this and so right now you have the enemy who's and, and not just the enemy but other places that are that are darkness that God has reserved for us to be the light into see for too long the church has thought that us being the light is just being a testimony to people that are unsaved. And while that is true, the Gentiles are, are the Gentiles, the Bible says, are going to come to the light and kings are going to come to the brightness of your rising. But is from what we've talked about tonight about the light, now let's just get real with this. Thirty years ago, 40 years ago, my testimony, as precious as it is, was not really reflecting this light this partnership with God it just wasn't what God is talking about here is a partnership with him now your testimony is powerful the account of how you came to the Lord and what he did in you that's that's kind of a different thing it's kind of like a peer pressure in a good way where you say to somebody like the woman at the well come see a man who told me everything that i've ever done in my life and people are convinced by that people are convinced by that in a negative way they flocked out of many churches in the network saying "Well, those people over there and and weak-minded folks are swayed by that there's power in the account of your life it can be persuasive it through murmuring can welcome the devourer but that in itself is not the light that's being talked about here it's just not I can say that from personal experience because many years ago I knew nothing about the fact that my father wanted to know me I knew nothing about the fact that there was a place at the right hand of the throne for me. I knew nothing about <clears throat> God's ways and how that is really what the light is and how God wants to train me to represent Him. I knew nothing about that. That just was not taught in the church. It was all, okay, You, you're a Christian. Pay your tithe. Wait for the trumpet to blow. You know... You're a Christian. Don't do bad stuff. You know, when we go before the Lord, it's just to give Him our laundry list. Well, some of them were very dirty things. But that's all prayer was. I remember going to prayer meetings. And, you know, I went through the drill. It was all about getting something from God. I never thought of just waiting on the Lord. Even our worship times... We're singing songs that were around for 80 years, as powerful as they were. It was a reiteration of something God did a long time ago. And I remember when choruses first started. When Bill Gaither burst on the scene. <laughs> Let's just lift our hands toward heaven. That was revolutionary. <clears throat> there were churches who mocked lifting the hands when that came it was craziness so i had no conception of this but god's light is offered to us in these days when darkness upon the earth gross darkness the people arapel (laughs) if you want a picture of darkness did you watch the state of the union address last night Dear God, I I, I'm not it it it, you darkness is just pervading the minds of people, and um, so we need to be we need to really know what God would even have us say about addressing the darkness in our nation declaring because the prince of the power of the air is operative he's creating his own narrative which is demonic wisdom and people are buying into it and so we've got to learn how to represent god in the intercession and offering up our supplication for those that are in authority over us we need to view this i tell you i was watching it last night and i was i was my flesh was rising up i was i thought it was one time and again it doesn't matter what president was there but if if a president was saying this nation has been blessed by god and what we need to do is to continue to look to him and follow him and do what he says and the blessing will continue when a president says that and the person beside him was going, behind him, and it wasn't Mike Pence doing it. Looking over mouthing things that groups and they're they're booing. And I'm thinking, God, don't strike us dead right now. This is wickedness. And it's prevailing. There are people that don't believe in God. There are people that mock those who do. Churches are are abandoning the visitation of the Spirit and becoming bastions of doctrines of demons all over this city. You you can drive a mile and a half from the 7-Eleven down to Mockingbird and you'll pass two of those churches, which have just gone off. It's all over the nation. It's all over the world. So for us to be people who are confronted with things that are gross darkness, gross darkness is is confusion, and it's, it's, maybe it's like the god of this world who has blinded the minds. Maybe that's really what it talks about. But darkness is on the earth, and people are spun out with it. We've got to be the true light. But this is what God's doing. So he forms the light. He creates darkness. He makes peace. He creates raw. just for us. Just for you, Sandra. Just for you, Monica. Brother Burke, just for you. And even for some of you on this side. Of me. <laughs> Maybe even me. Maybe even me. So, um, Father, I thank you that you are the light. There's no need of the sun. at the end of the book of Revelation for the Lamb is the light thereof. We are with you now and we're so thankful. Help us to be worthy of this great assignment that you've given to us and help us to recognize that the things we face that God has led us to are opportunities for something that doesn't look very good to be turned into something beautiful. And Lord, one other thing. Help us to know and to discern which darkness we're supposed to be confronting and which we're supposed to leave alone. Because the way you form your light is for a specific place that you created. Let us discern that and let us not get out of place. That's for some other sun to deal with but let us be this, and I bless this people. I bless the saints around the world, and we thank you for this, Father. We truly love you, and we appreciate you allowing us to know you in this way, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for being here. God bless all of you. Be warm tonight, and uh, we'll see you soon.